This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today, of course, is Hans. Hans, how are you doing tonight? I hope you're doing very well. I can see uh, you're not unmuted just yet. Yep, you're still, it you're was. still there. Hi. I unmuted myself. Hello. Yeah, uh, good. Very excited to talk about these two very entertaining movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... There's a lot of debate over whether or not the second one is a real movie. I consider it. I saw it in the theater. How about that? Hey, you know, we talked about Star Wars The Phantom Menace. What was it? Like three weeks ago? Two weeks ago? Yes. Yeah, about that time. Uh, and for that show, we had a very special guest, somebody who hasn't been on here a whole lot. Uh, you know, just one of these fresh faces I like to throw in the mix. Uh, we had Jerry. It's very adorable. We got Babe the Pig from Babe. Jerry, you're still muted. You're, you're just still... kind of, <laughs> you look like your teeth are just chattering. I didn't know you guys could see that on your end. I thought, because I just have this little monitor that comes up. It was completely blocking it. I didn't know. By the way, I think the Did next time. This? The, the, yes. Uh, the next time we do Civic TV, we should not have it. We should have it on gallery mode. Because I noticed while I was rewatching the uh Writing thoughts with my sister. A lot of the time, it's just my face laughing at this mentally handicapped woman. And I'm just right. like, this is, this is not a good right. look. That's what makes it good is like 30 minutes on your face because it's been uh, left I'm the on only that one that's by accident. Laughing because yeah. I'm, la I'm the only one giggling and it's just my face <laughs> laughing at Rosie. Hans, did you, you were recorded local files, right? Because my version of that is not what was uploaded to Patreon. Yeah. So you just left it on yourself is what it sounds um, like. You didn't do any mixed camera angles. I don't even know how to do that. No. Nice. You gave him the responsibility and he, he didn't tell you that he couldn't do it until after he had done something different. I like that. I thought I was supposed to record this one, but I didn't get no permission. No, nah, that's all right. I think we're okay. okay with that. I'll just send it to you afterward. You know, I appreciate Hans's uh, directorial eye which is just all Hans all the time on this show. We're just a couple of voices, Jerry. Yeah. Hans, I've never asked you this, but when did the German side of your family move out of Germany? Uh, 30s. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, okay. Fair enough. I think. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully not 10 years later. <laughs> no, wait, because it was my great-grandparents. Uh -oh. So it was uh -oh. around 1910, I think. Okay. That's not good. That's well, not a good time. That's not a good time. There's two times to not be from Germany. That's one, and then 30 years later is is another kind of not good one. Yeah, he was very fat though, so I don't think he. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. He he was he was like six five three hundred. Yeah. Jesus well, we Christ. we know that fat people were an oppressed group even yeah. in the early 20th century. So he couldn't have been one of those guys. No, he couldn't. He couldn't wear a uniform. He would wear a muumuu everywhere. <laughs> That's true. I'm making that up. <laughs> oh, I see pictures of, of his great grandfather. And he just wears a pregnant lady's moo moo, like it with paisleys on it and a little. Who was a, a poncho but it's got swastikas in it? <laughs> <laughs> just lightning bolts and shit. Yeah, a bunch of SS. His sombrero has that little metal skull on the front of it. Yeah. Hans, do you think you would have gotten your height if your great-grandparents had moved out of Germany any sooner? If there was just a generation extra in your no. lineage? No, because my cousins are not tall and they're younger. Well, not, they're not my cousins. There's like 
my oh so you can fuck them that's how he caught these it's like they're not <laughs> technically my cousins because the next story i'm about to say is gonna be real fucking weird hans who did you lose your virginity to I think it's very Which offensive cousin? that just because I'm Latin American, Jerry's implying that we do that, even though no, we I was do that a lot. <laughs> 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 even though that happens a, a very large amount of of cases of that, but yeah. Many such cases, that's right. Well, you know, you were speaking about the SS soldiers in Germany, which is perfect for Star Wars. That's the influence, the inspiration for Star Wars. Hell yeah. The whole, all of Star Wars was inspired by the Nazis. They don't, and it wasn't that George Lucas, you know, heard about World War II and was like, well, there's got to be an Axis and an Allies. He was like, no, 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 no. This is just what I imagined the perfect Nazi society would be, where some people have like, because you know the Order of the Vril, right? The Nazi of, conspiracy. Of course. The order. Okay, so he doesn't. But there's this Nazi occult conspiracy that we still have now about the harvesting of adrenochrome or what they called Vril, right? So, like, he can extend that into just being the magic powers you got from Vril are the Force. And so the best Nazis are the Jedi. And the worst Nazis that are like, I don't like this, right? You get to choose your own destiny. They're the bad guys. Perfect movie. Star Wars, Nazi propaganda confirmed. Frills and chills. That's what this movie was full of, Attack of the Clones. Uh, this is the this is the second episode in the prequel trilogy of Star Wars, and this I think this has the distinction of being the first movie uh, that was shot entirely on like a, a certain type of DV handheld camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you watch, so I, I didn't watch Attack of the Clones. I just watched the special features because I can't be fucked to watch that movie. I actually did watch a good chunk of it, a good like 30, 40 minutes of that of Attack of the Clones before I was like, you know what? I think I could get more entertainment out of the behind the scenes stuff. And yeah, well, it is and isn't the first film totally filmed on digital. Uh, what's that fucking, um, I like this actor and I can't, or this director and I can't remember his name. He did Spy Kids. Oh, Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez did it before him. Uh, and I guess just doesn't get credit for it. And in the special features, that's honestly just a circle jerk of George Lucas. They separate that conversation about the camera into three or four different segments throughout the hour long uh, documentary. And it's mostly like, man, I can't believe George had this idea. It's so beautiful. It's so great. And then it gets to the cinematographer and he's like, the camera is too big. Uh, it's clunky. I don't really like the shots. We have to do a lot of stuff in post to make them look good. I'm really not comfortable with this setup at all. And I, I think that it's going to be great in the future and we're breaking new ground, but I just, I'm, he basically says he's not vibing it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, well, I'll get more into that documentary because it really exposes a lot of that film, but just in that one aspect, um, there's like a transparency that comes about where everybody on staff, except for the veteran filmmakers, all just let George Lucas do whatever. And the veterans they push back a little bit, but you know, the dollar signs are probably enough yeah. for them to be like, yeah, whatever, I'll just do it. But you can hear these people being like, I don't think this works that well, but we're doing it anyways. And it's just a green screen virtual shit. That's a big part yeah. of it. So Hayden Christensen, right? No real acting background up to this point. He fucking hated 
all the green screen. There's a good two minute segment that they chop up so that it sounds like he's saying a positive thing about it. But I went and watched it by itself. Um, and he talks about how there's green screen. Fuck, it's the sand, the sand yeah. dialogue, but green screen. He talks about he fucking hates it, like green screen everywhere, out every window. They want me to act with uh, another another person. And that person doesn't have a voice. It's coming through a speaker. And I'm just looking at a guy in a green suit. And then it like cuts. They, they cut away in the documentary as soon as he starts talking shit. Like, oh, don't let him don't let him say that. Because that's what he he gets to those points all the time. He's like, you're not really in a set. You're just sort of surrounded by green. Hard cut, go to something else. Because you know the next thing he says is like, and it's soul-sucking <laughs> and terrible. And I hate the experience. It well, really those... is. It's the total precursor to everything that is the industry standard now with any movie that has a budget, especially over like $100 million. Um, yeah, I, I have found in going back to these prequel films that the documentaries and supplemental material on the DVDs of them are far more interesting and entertaining and maybe just as like a byproduct of like modern technology, uh, oftentimes as put together as well as the film. Um, I haven't checked out the documentary on Attack of the Clones in a while. I actually watched it many years ago, which is how I picked up. It's like, it, it's one of the first films shot on digital. Um, and then the masters are stored on high definition videotapes at uh, Skywalker Ranch. So uh, what was the Robert Rodriguez film that predated this that you were citing? I have to, I have to look it up um, because I, I was surprised the narrative, even when you go onto like the Wikipedia for um, Attack of the Clones is like, oh, fucking amazing work by George Lucas to invent this digital film. It was done before that, but George Lucas invented it. Um, let's see. Additional high definition digital 24 frame system. So this is the part where it talks about it, but where's the part where it's like, oh, that's fucking dude so groundbreaking. I think it's a cool idea in concept, that, especially if it's like 2002, that you have a guy who has the means and the money and the technology to essentially stage an enormous science fiction film in his home with the, you know, the green screen technology was still considered like, uh, it had obviously been toyed with before. And I think blue screen was more reliant to that point, but doing that and then hosting it digitally on, um, on, on, uh, video was still like a brand new concept. And I think it's like an exciting idea to want to get behind, but obviously We've seen in retrospect, it ages horribly. It, lo it looks really poor. And um, there's like, I mean, there's a massive drop off in my opinion anyway, in terms of like just the visual spectacle aspect of Phantom Menace to attack the clones, because there is such a reliance on using green screen instead of going to Italy and shooting in the sand dunes and doing that whole, uh, that whole thing. Well, it, in this case, like, because they hadn't extended to using it um, consistently, they still do those uh, on set shots or whatever, but they're the most needless ones. One thing that always annoyed me about <clears throat> kind of the, again, I just overuse the term, the narrative behind George Lucas is that they went to the fucking, you know, Libyan desert or whatever the fuck to film the fucking uh, Skywalker uh, um, moisture harvester fucking, you know, where. Uh, Luke's uncle lives and shit like Luke's mm -hmm. house and all that shit like they they really are su people are super excited they went on set for that 
or on scene for that. But you can literally go to Southern California, where Hollywood is, where there is hundreds of miles of sand dunes, unobstructed skyline that looks like you're just in a sea of sand because that's what it is, right? It's called the Sahara Desert. You can go there. <laughs> so this motherfucker, the shit that he did on location, the most fucking needless shit ever. The stuff that he did that's inside a building would have been fucking cool if he would have changed and if he would have taken a building and modified it in post rather than three quarters of a set or even not even that, right? Like sometimes two thirds of a set or a third of a set and the rest of it's fucking green screen. I wonder if uh, the the green glow that they all have was in the green glow well. around you. Were you are you at Skywalker Ranch yeah. right now, Hans? Right yeah, I'm in minute. space. Uh, but because that was very distracting. Um, now in this rewatch, uh, the how everyone was very green glowy, and if not, just how yeah how fake everything looked. And just I will you know necessary. I I have the uh, the Blu-ray version of it as well, and there have been touch-ups made since so there's not as obvious of like a haloing effect yeah um when it comes to the blending of the actors and the background now um this movie's painfully dull i couldn't believe just how boring i mean i can't believe it i watched it i tried to watch it twice anyway because i was just so lost in how bored i was that first time around and i i don't i mean i'm trying to get back to my like this came out in 2002 i believe uh, trying to get back into my 12-year-old head of, like, why I found this to be the best Star Wars movie at the time when I was, like, in the theater and watching it. Because, you, I mean, even if you take a look at the final battle sequence, which on the last show we did of this, I had hyped that up to be like, oh, that's the best moment of the movie. It is the best moment of the movie. It's still not that good. Yeah. Um, Count Dooku is just... I mean, you're. it's very... Hans, you frequently mention this moment from The Irishman, but when Robert De Niro's kicking that man who's down on the curb as a yeah. young man, it kind of feels like that when Count Dooku is battling Yoda and um, Anakin has the double sabers and all that. I think it's all like, it's got the making and the visual uh, uh, style of something that could be more iconic than it actually is, but they just failed on the execution. Well, it's one of those times where the fans are not always right because in theory, maybe Yoda fighting that guy is like cool, but then there's not enough or not good enough technology, so it doesn't look just goofy. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, it's just oh, um, I remember seeing that in the theater, and I was like, oh, cool, finally Yoda is gonna fight. And then you, I was watching, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> this was a terrible idea to begin with. Uh, you know, it just doesn't work. It should have just kept uh, kept him as like a philosophical character, not someone that you know we're supposed to be impressed by because he does flips with a lightsaber. Yeah, I, I think I agree. In retrospect, uh, it would have been more amusing if they tried to pull off that whole sequence with the puppet Yoda from the first movie. Right. Uh, that would have been a real treat, I think, to Jeez. see Yoda's little feet. Yeah, uh, it would have been nice, but one of the best things in the movie is how they made Watto look even more Jewish <laughs> by giving God him damn. a beard and a hat. His cap just gradually His moves to the back with each episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, so it was once upon a time in Mexico. I'm wrong, by the way. It was once upon a time in Mexico, and Robert Rodriguez <clears throat> decided to use the camera after seeing the camera at Skywalker Ranch before the film had been released. So he started filming on digital before Attack of the Clones came out 
Got and it. then he released. So it, yeah, it's, just, it's a confusing timeline, but I'm wrong. But I am right. Actually, the first film, uh, the first digitally filmed and post-produced feature was a film shot in Tibet called White Horse uh, by Paul Wagner, a director and producer that has no profile and a film that apparently only played in the States as far as the Florida Film Festival and Santa Barbara Film Festival. So my guess is George Lucas saw that and was like, yeah, I'll just do that. Yes, the uh, famous, what, what is it, Wide Horse? Nobody had ever heard it. Nobody had ever seen it. Even when you click on the, the Wikipedia, it's two fucking tiny bits. Hmm. And most, wow. most of it is the fact that it got made. Like, is there a poster art? Did this screen at any festivals, or is this like a pretty obscure film? Just those two, the Florida Film Festival and the Santa Barbara Film Festival. And there's only a citation for the the Florida Film Festival. Hmm. Um, this art is clearly done recently. It's not the original art for it. The one that's on IMDb, I guarantee. Hans, you want to take a look and see if there's a trailer for for this movie, the first uh, uh, film shot on 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 digital? That could be interesting. Wide horse. What's it called? Horse. Wide horse. W i d e. What's the year? Or on wind that? horse. Sorry, I'm I'm retarded. Wind horse. W i. Oh, Why is it called wide horse? Just about a fat horse. It's filmed in '98. So, but this this doesn't take away from what I was saying. Is that like? in that documentary several times too that we'll get into people are just like hell yeah oh my god this is such a good idea that george lucas had on his own when it's like either not his idea or obviously a bad idea or everybody else on set fucking hates it unless they're you know a newbie Mm -hmm. this is a thing if you watch that they will say almost verbatim that george lucas invented making a movie from filming and post-production in digital but you can find an instance of it happening a year before they did that. Is there anything on that, Hans? Is there any trailer? Is there any clip that we can take a look at? Silence. That's great. Thank you, Hans. This is an audible show. Sorry, I was I was muted as I was trying to share my screen, so I couldn't. Yeah, I found the trailer. Uh, okay. Nice. All right. Well, we are going to be taking a look at the trailer for Wind Horse from 1998. Not Wide Horse, different film. Waterville, Maine. I love uh, film studios based out of Maine. It's it, and it's it was released at first in Canada. Damn. Okay, uh, we don't Tibet. have any audio on this, Hans. Oh really? Okay. No audio. One second. It's very. Sure, sound. Okay. Uh... All right. Once again, we are taking a look at Wind Horse. Can you hear it now? Yeah. Okay. Shadow distribution. Oh, the whole movie's here. Look. Shadow distribution and filmmaker Paul Wagner invite you on an incredible <laughs> journey into the very heart of Tibet. A land of soaring mountains. Doesn't exist anymore, but... hopes. This is Tibet as you have never seen it before. I mean, I've never seen anything about Tibet. I don't think that's like a big selling it's not point. A co- it's not a place anymore, huh? Oh, that's why. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> ...can be transformed by the 
face of a stranger. Never saw seven years into bed. Where a beautiful no. singer must make a terrifying choice between her dreams and the truth. This has a vibe to it where, like, if you ever check out a Spanish channel soap opera, telenovela, mm -hmm. yep. this is what this essentially looks like. That's, That's what exactly it's cut, kind of yeah. Or like, uh, if you go on Netflix and you see a K-drama and you watch the trailer for it. Mm. Same thing. I mean, right then, dude, you could just do a movie about like, man, shouldn't Tibet be its own country still? And people would be like, you're fucking right. 25 years later, mm -hmm. like Han said, they're like, wait, what's Tibet? Yeah. Yep. Hold on, what? No, so homie, they don't exist anymore. So a country where no man have hair doesn't exist? <laughs> where everyone's <laughs> bathrobes all the time doesn't exist? <laughs> I've been fooled. Yeah. Well, so that that didn't have a particularly. I mean, clearly they had like an experienced cinematographer on the set, but it doesn't have like a visual uh, style to it that screams filmic. And the uh, frames per second seem to be about thirty or more. So it doesn't seem all that cinematic. Entirely that possible that George Lucas saw it. Remaster. Yeah. Might be fucked by a remaster. That's true, too. Now, Jerry, you did say that Hayden Christensen had no experience acting before this, right? He has, like, none, dude. He didn't do shit all before uh, fucking Star Wars. His did. one his what? one good movie House. he did. What is this? Life, Life is a House. House. Life is a yeah. House. Oh. And then you got The Virgin Suicides. He was in there. Shattered the Glass one, is the... the uh, and then there's a series, too. Higher Ground. Never heard of it? ABC Ooh. channel, Five Family or Fox Family or something. Like that. I think that's a that's like a perfect example of like not ever acting. <laughs> he did a couple episodes of Goosebumps. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's what I mean. That's he great. was a paper boy in the Mouth of Madness. This dude never had to have like consistent dialogue, right? Hans, when did Shattered Glass come out? Was that before or after Star Wars? Uh, that was 2003, before the year after. Oh, okay. All right, so you can't even count that then. All right, yeah. Um, almost tandem filming, even. Yeah, Shattered Glass is the one that people point to, where it's like, actually, with the right material, he is a good actor. And it's like, he's yeah, he's all right in that. But, I mean, an actor should, at the very least, give an all right performance, especially if they're going to be the lead of a movie. And in this one, it is a big-time missed opportunity, probably times two, uh, that the role didn't go to Jonathan Brandis, uh, and he wound up killing himself over it, allegedly. You know, obviously, other things, probably. But it's a good story. Allegedly, I'm pretty sure that's like, that we, we read, we read, right? His his roommates were like, dude, he was down about his job, about not getting, they legitimately said that yeah. he didn't get Star Wars. It, it certainly played a part. Spiral. If we go with the story that that's that everybody's George familiar Lucas with, George Lucas is single-handedly responsible for that guy's suicide. <laughs> was this another choke jerk that went wrong? That's yeah. yeah. That's how they all go. That's, that's the Hollywood way. Go. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, to my point, Brandis had a lot more dynamic as a child act and experience as a child actor uh, than Hayden Christensen, who apparently was just starring in Tower Records ripoffs for ABC Family Channel. I don't right. know. Um, 
Yeah, he's a he's a charisma vacuum in this movie. Ewan's not even good. Uh, is, is anybody decent in this, or is it just un, because of the poor direction of George Lucas, at least in terms of how he handles the actors? Uh, is there nothing noteworthy about any of these performances? I I mean, look, we talk, we already talked shit about Christopher Lee uh, fighting. The, I think he might be, and he said this in that documentary, he might be like the single foremost uh, on-screen sword fighter. He has more sword fights than anybody in any fucking performing venue at all. They're, they're Shakespearean actors long dead that didn't do fucking nearly as many sword fights as Christopher Lee does. And then like to get there, you have to watch him basically stand and droll for a little bit. Like none of it, they don't even build to the part that should be good, and then that part's bad, right? So like, there's nothing you can do. If Christopher Lee is bad in the film, the film's bad. That's just the way yeah. it is. Yeah, I uh, uh, like like you said, even Ewan McGregor was kind of bad in this. One of the scenes that really made me laugh that I had to write down was uh, right at the beginning when uh, when um, the little droids are throwing those uh, centipedes into. Uh, Abdallah's bed and he just jumps out of the window <laughs> very hilariously very dramatic to try to catch the drone or whatever right uh, little things like that where you can tell that the person that's directing this is just like a, a, a big child you know with a very uh childlike um what, what's the spy kids adventures of like hey yeah, I want to see Obi-Wan jumping through a window very cartoonishly mm -hmm. to to catch this thing well, I mean, we delved into this pretty deep on the Phantom Menace episode, which is essentially just that George Lucas is best left as like the foreman of these properties. It's just like the guy looking over everybody's shoulder to make sure that the uh, conveyor belt product is well manufactured, doesn't have any flaws uh, to it, and is uh, ready for consumption. And with these three movies, he's the director. I mean, even if you think about... I mean, we've made jokes in the past about Red Tails. He didn't even direct Red Tails. He produced Red Tails. And we right. consider that like a George Lucas movie. And it's a piece of shit. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, think the, I think if he had outsourced the direction to somebody else for these movies, they would uh, be in a lot better shape upon revisiting. Maybe, I mean, look, Phantom Menace is... I still kind of enjoyed that, even yeah. with the wooden uh, acting and all the problems we already cited. It's just kind of like a neat kids movie of 1999. But um, I think what we're seeing with these two digitally shot sequels in 2002 and 2005, um, once he decides to make everything convenient for himself and get more hung up on the new technology than just building basic building blocks of what makes for a good film, everything is lost in that and you wind up with something that's just a slog to sit through well yeah. you, he also wrote them right and yeah. uh you can tell that he doesn't how can i say this uh every romantic scene was just very uncomfortable because of the way they were flirting with each other that just seemed like not human <laughs> well this is all supposed to be based off of his marriage uh to whoever the she produced i think at least the first star wars movie episode four uh 
going completely sour and um, her divorcing him. So this is why there's like a yes, he he, uh, it was another choke jerk. Um, (laughs) it, it, It turned into this story of like how you have to reject women. And it's basically like a priesthood now, the Jedi uh, Fellowship, this there's whole a, thing. There's a scene uh, where he tells her that he doesn't like sand because it's dry and... Dry and coarse. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's good like, first date material. So what do, you, what do you think about sand? I hate it. It's dry. What am I watching? Like, who wrote this? No. And I saw that he did, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Here's, here's the thing, <clears throat> is in the behind-the-scenes stuff, um, there are several times whenever Natalie Portman is talking specifically about the romantic element, and there's a bunch of a bunch of conversation about that. There's a whole segment dedicated to the romantic element, um, and inside of there, George Lucas will at one point be like, "Well, it's very much a romance film, right?" And then later on, he'll be at a different part, and he'll be like, "It's very much a, a war film," and then he'll yeah. be at a di- different part. He's, it's very much a politics film. Like he has no fucking idea. It's but Tommy Wiseau, right? The Tommy Wiseau right. thing of like, yep. this is my serious movie. And then when everyone laughs at it, it's like, oh, well, it was that dark comedy. It was on purpose. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You liar. <laughs> yeah, but he's doing that like as they're making it. Like right. they'll finish filming some romance scenes. And he's like, see, it's a romance film. Go to sleep and he wakes up. They're all ready to do some more horny. And he's like, no, no, action today. Oh, okay, are you sure? Natalie Portman, she's like, well, if you remember in the first film, uh, you know, where my clothing is is very regal and loose and then in this film i mean it's very tight a little more risque and then it, it cuts to a part you know some of the people talking comes back to her and she's like and then there's this one dress that i wear and when you go and look at the dress it is very much fucking bondage in the future yeah. right it's the tightest fucking dress ever it's like cleavage showing and she's like i didn't like it it wasn't comfortable i even asked when, when i showed up on set like do you guys think this is too much and a bunch of people around me said you know it might be a little too much but george reassured me it would be fine okay it's okay and that's to me right it spells out so many things i have a vision now of 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 uh the phantom menace right Natalie Portman in her dressing room. Okay, George Lucas comes in, pushes pushes the 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 strap from her bra down a little bit, and goes, "I know everybody said this wasn't okay, but you gotta just trust me." And then fucks the thirteen year old girl right there on set. Like what she was saying was that. Like every bit, she was like, "It was too tight. It was too revealing." Everybody else agreed. They said, "You don't look comfortable," and I don't think this is a good thing. But George said, "Hey, don't worry. Okay, just trust me." Trust me. And then it goes on scene. And the whole time you're watching the scene, you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, see what I mean? Oh, damn, yeah. Okay. You see what I mean? This is the horniest shit George Lucas has ever put on somebody. And he does it to, like, fucking barely 18-year-old Natalie Portman. In a very and, uncomfortable scene, too. It's. I mean, yeah, the, the like scene includes... The scene includes her uh, stepping on Anakin's balls in high heels. It was very <laughs> uncomfortable for those on set that day. She starts yelling, you dirty little boy. Do you want me to cut it off? Like that scene from Red Dragon. Yeah, he places them between the floorboards God. and then steps on them. Ugh, dude, every bit of these scenes is so gross. The camera work. Ugh. So cool. go back to the beginning, Hans. Go back yeah. to the beginning. Watch no audio, this. right? Because yeah, don't no, yeah, don't do audio. audio. But yeah. watch watch the camera work right here. What see this? What the fuck is that? Then it cuts to this, then it cuts to that, then it cuts to this, <laughs> then it cuts to this. 
that it's moving, moving the other way right now. Calm down. No, I'm going this way now. No, now look at this quick. No, never mind. Stay here looking at this for two. Now look at this. What the fuck is happening? I just, I'm very confused as to, like, this is supposed to be flirting, right? And she's like, oh my God, he can cut a pear. Yeah, they're eating a pear with a fork and knife. You ever just sit down with your significant other and eat a pear with a fork and knife? You ever share a pair romantically? Share a pair. Not even like grapes. Not even like sexy for fucking 2,800 years grapes. Not yeah, even well, the you... food that people used fucking 2,000 something years ago to be like, we're horny. They would they would etch it into stone to be like, these people are horny. See the grapes? That means they're horny. No. Well, you sit across the t- well, you sit across the table from her. So you I'm have to throw he it. He's like not individually taking out pomegranate seeds. Wait till you see what I do when I get them all into this bowl, just one by one. The least horny fucking visuals with the most horny dress ever. And he makes a smoothie and pours it on her. This is what this dude does is there are so many moments where the actor's like, I didn't think it was going to work, but then we did it. And then I saw it afterwards and boy, Ewan McGregor being like, oh yeah, I get into this little pod. Finally, I get my own spaceship like Luke Skywalker. It's so cool, you know, and I get in there and all it is is a bunch of plastic and I'm rattling around and I have lines I have to remember and it hurts. Oh, it hurts so much rattling around in that. And we have to do eight hours in that scene. But then I saw it in post and I, I went, okay. Yeah, I'm in that <laughs> film. And it's like, oh, fuck, dude. You guys hated every minute of this. That, I, that's... I, again, I didn't really check out the special features on the Attack of the Clones disc. That is something that I noticed with the Clone Wars movie, though, is, and I'm thinking to myself, just listening to these people talk at the camera, it's like, how do you convince, like, do you know you're speaking bullshit, or do you just convince yourself, because I'm working on Star Wars, I'm so excited that you're not, like, miserable, and this is a total piece of shit? Um, I think it probably obviously varies person to person. Completely unrelated. You know what I just realized got cut out of this movie? is an NSYNC cameo. He had NSYNC show up on the set for a day for his daughters and be in the background of a shot only to cut them out of the final film. Actually, I knew this. I knew this. Uh, Joey Fatone has mentioned before that I'm a firm believer that Joey Fatone, right, not just uh, a fake, okay, but was never actually in NSYNC. I believe that there are other people, studio vocalists outside of Justin Timberlake. Okay. Joey Fatone has a whole fucking bit about how he is like legitimate and how touring was hard. And that I was on star Wars one time and like shows the fucking picture on it. He'll do interviews and do this. I've done this thing before. I've, I've tracked Joey Fatone's career. He's excited about it. He thinks he was in star Wars. He's never seen the movie. I like the idea no that idea. you're 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 most well versed on the Joey Fatone lore of any yeah. member of NSYNC. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's really NSYNC lore, right? Is I I think that they were like all studio people except for except for Justin Timberlake. That's what I think. I don't think they were real. I think that's entirely possible. Uh, yeah. Also, he just invited some woman out that was in The Matrix to reprise her role, dressed her the exact same, put her in the movie as a cameo Easter egg. Uh, nice. Do we have Hans? You want to look this up real quick? Fiona Johnson. I'm not even familiar with this character. I feel you like George just was like, you know, I kind of want to fuck her. I guess I'll maybe we could bring her out. Maybe I could just mm. put her in this role. You're gonna play. Look, we're gonna dress you up the exact same as when I Dude, saw you naked. in that movie, and uh, just behave the exact same. 
as in that movie. And it'll be, it's going to be Star Wars. It's a different character, but you're going to look the exact same. You're going to look the exact same. Holy shit. Let's see. Star Wars. Is it this? You know, if he's dressing up Natalie Portman in dominatrix gear, I can see maybe he's into this kind of lady. Yeah. Taller. Yeah, Yeah. Well, I don't know. These these are close, but one's like a what if the 1950s was in a stupid future where they did makeup hella dumb and hair fucking dumb as fuck. And then the other one's like it's the 1950s, right? The 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 thing that George Lucas has going for him is that like you said, he can he can oversee a film shoot. There's moments in that documentary where He's looking at props and he's like, no, this is good. And it's a good prop. You know, it's mm. a good spaceship. It's like, oh, cool. That spaceship's fucking rad. I don't think I ever saw it in the film. Uh, the one that he was talking about specifically, I don't think it was in there because the only ones I remember all fucking suck. They're all those weird, way too sleek, way too smooth and shiny compared to the the four, the three movies that are supposed to come in like 30 years from now. Uh, and they kind of ugly as fuck. But no, like his over, overseeing of a set is great. I I uh, found out that he names every single alien and has some category for every alien in the film, right? Which I think is pretty cool. If you're going to dress up as something and you're just alien number two, that kind of sucks. Alien number two and you clap. But if they come at you and you're like, oh, uh, you're Strago Cligo and you're like a, a real bad desert bandit, right? But you're excited for whatever happened here. You can act a little bit more, even if it's just clapping, you can put something in your head and act for it. Like, that's fine, right? But then what he does is he goes, but wait a minute. Rather than just having a race of aliens with, like, long dick things, right? What if they're all women and they wear crop tops and they have huge tits and sometimes they're slaves and sometimes they're just the strippers? And you're like, what? And he's like, yeah, and they're called Twi'leks. And on their planet, being sexual is cool. And they're all, and you're like, whoa, ca- calm down. I don't need this information. You're just putting me in a halter top and, and a chain. And they all fuck by putting their tentacles together. And it goes like this, uh, uh, and it has this sound. So the sound it makes is a lot like when I'm fisting an asshole. You can just imagine that, okay? Like that's that's what he starts getting into. Well, what do you expect? It's George Lucas. Like <laughs> that level of <laughs> autism for him to name every alien. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, there's something off in that head, you know. Well, where it's, it's cool where it starts, it's, but it's not cool where it ends. It's a little chubby dork coming up mm. with horny aliens he wants to have sex with. Yeah, no, it's cool that he goes, Jabba the Hutt is like they're a race of these trash dwelling bureaucrats that are inherently evil. Okay, yeah, that's cool. But then he goes, but then also they rape. And yeah. Like, <laughs> Why do they do that part? George, he's like, cause that's scary. It's a big ship blob. That's already it eats all gross. He's like, yeah, but he's gonna rape Leia. Oh my god, dude, that doesn't have to be in the film. You don't need that part. She's also all a right. slave that doesn't do anything but just sit there in a well. She's to suit. be she's to be raped. That's what right. it's, that's what is being insinuated is if nobody comes and saves her, Job of the Hut is going to rape her. That's what's being insinuated, which is kind of. You know, not very time conscious, really. Look, you know, I'm I'm pepper. all for your space bad guy having like real fucking like real stakes involved, right? Like that's a scary thing. 
It just doesn't fit in the Star Wars universe, and you don't know that. It's like implied, right? But you don't know that. So the fact that George Lucas has it written down, Jabba the Hutt rapes Leia if if Luke doesn't save her. You're like, wait, he's going to save her. You wrote that he saves her. Yeah, but if he doesn't, she gets raped. It's his sister that he's in love with, right? So it's also weird Jabba? from that no oh, luke? luke yeah well i mean that's retconned before the movie's done where's a uh, java's penis too like how are we supposed to be exactly right? dude. that's part of the horror did a bot penis find out he has to turn around so we can see his wiener well, uh, he's so fa- it's like an obese person you know how the folds will often lift. hide the genitalia the, the i think treasure. that's the case with java yeah uh no, this... dude they just lean back and put their legs up and you could see it inside there how did you sound very <laughs> like you're, you've looked this up? I have plumper pass, bro. <laughs> uh, this movie was nominated for an Oscar for best special, best visual effects. Um, right. and it, did it, it lost win? To, no, it lost to a Two Towers, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, it should. And uh, Spider Man was the only, the other movie that was nominated. I mean, dude, that sam raimi spider-man all three of those well the sandman kind of looks like shit but yeah up to up to the sandman the vast majority of the cg and that shit looks fucking great looks fucking awesome right um the two towers i mean those three lord of the rings with the exception of the end of return of the king where all the ghosts with all the ghosts and stuff they mostly look awesome oh god there's a lot of Fan art that I wish you could share, but I shouldn't. About oh, Java? Java? Let's see <laughs> yeah. Java. I want to. Yeah. No, I, I want to see Java. Why not? Yes. This is what patrons are paying for. He googled where's Java the Hutt's penis. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and there's a lot of just uh, Java licking and uh, and uh, oh. and uh, his little wiener. It's like it. It's like you know. You find those fucking girls that write the serial killers, right? And you're like, oh, that's gross. These are mostly men imagining getting fucked by Jabba the Hutt and then drawing it. Yeah. Yep. I'm okay. Well, well, no, no. Don't do a leg. Video. Don't play it pussy. safe. Come on. Let's really? do a screen video share. Pussy. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. All right. Okay. As Jerry strategically gets up and leaves his computer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure? All right. We're gonna have to edit. Yeah. This, let's so. take a look. Fuck it. Why not? Okay. Who cares? Should we wait for Jerry? Jerry? He's the one that's calling for it, and then he leaves. It's very convenient. Yes. Uh, I guess so. All right. We'll wait until. Jerry all right. Is. Jerry's back. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at this Jabba fan. I could have heard the picture. This is the extended canon now. Oh, oh. God, dude. Well. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that one's cute and romantic right there. Related images. What is that? Ah, uh, yeah. Look at this one where it's just his tail going in her this pussy. One? <laughs> And she's got a penis too. This one here, where he's he. Oh, it, she is. She's oh yeah. Well, what the hell? This can't go on YouTube now. Um, what, oh, oh who could have seen that coming? I, listen, <laughs> I thought we were gonna get slug penises. I didn't know we were getting a human trans penis. Oh, Eventually. see, that's all right. That's 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 what is, that's, what is this, Hans? What are you pulling up here? What is happening? Oh, it's no, weekly world. It's dude, weekly world fake. news. This is fake. That's yeah. All right. fake. All right, Hans. I think you got to close out. There's also uh, a pretty. That's like uh, an actual cancer. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let me see how before we into the episode. To uh, know I'm gonna we... have to cut that because there was some oh, just really not good forward, video. Just go through there. the edit um, and put a blur right there. 
Okay. And then well. right, just put on text like it shows cocks and vagines and a fat guy. Just write that right there. It's not a big deal. I, one of the related images was more yeah. of a big deal. That wasn't good. It was. Uh, <laughs> Show yeah. it again. Show it again. I didn't see it. Hans, you want to just no. Google whatever you... F All right. Anyway. Hey, no, did you guys know that Topher Grace auditioned for Anakin? That would have been good. That would have been good. He's he's pretty bland uh, in most things, and we would have lost him probably in Spider-Man. But, I mean, that, that, I think that would have been fine. I would like to see Topher Grace fight again. Kind of funny. Also, Colin Hanks auditioned for the role, and uh, DiCaprio's agent made sure to say uh, he was asked, but he never was interested. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> that <All right>. sounds right. <laughs> uh, where does this movie fall for you? Do you guys both agree that this is the worst, at least in having gone back to it? Um, I feel like this is certainly the worst one of maybe the entire I haven't seen Revenge of the Sith since it came out in theaters in 2005. So there's a, a strong pos I mean, I guess not that strong. There's a lot happening in that movie. There's a possibility there that really somehow isn't. that's worse. Listen, I thought we were going to talk about that one today because I don't know why I thought we already mentioned something about um, uh, Attack of the Clones. So I watched the third one today and boy, was that movie boring <laughs> jesus christ that was, that was oh, rough too oh, oh. it's just a lot of really boring either politics or bad dialogue romance it, it was like a, like a young adult novel uh with the type of romance they were trying to pull off and then the action is very few and far in between i, I was very bored uh, i was very surprised that uh, episode one which i thought when i first saw them in the theater was the worst one of the three in this second go, that was the one that I enjoyed the most because at least it has fun with itself, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Th this other two are just, th they try to take themselves so seriously, but then the dialogue is so terrible that you can't. <laughs> or I found myself just being like, all right, the guy that wrote this is George Lucas. So just picture that it's him, the one saying this dialogue, and that makes a little bit more sense and it's less bad. But uh, the, the Clone Wars one, I didn't like either, but at least that one was a little more fun and silly. This okay. this one, well, let's keep it attack on the clones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, the, we're going to get to that one. movie. But it's just, it's just everything that you don't want a Star Wars movie to be. You know, uh, a lot of just boring talk instead mm -hmm. of, you know, showing us adventure and showing us... You know, the, the world that's supposed to be fun and entertaining and it, it just isn't at all. Well, there, there's like an attempt um, to do that sort of stuff, right? Putting Obi-Wan by himself. He's got to fight General Grievous, right? There's uh, Luke, not Luke, fucking Anakin and um, uh, Padme have to escape the fucking one place or whatever. Um, that's like cool. Like, you know, as a concept, executed kind of poorly. Obi-Wan rides the big lizard thing. Cool as a concept, executed kind of poorly or whatever. Uh, but, like, the, you get to those moments where there's all those Jedi and the there are, like, four main characters are standing in the center. And it's, like, fucking Padme with her clunky, retarded-looking blaster and, like, we're holding our lightsabers and it's it's very much 
a uh, go stand over here for the poster, and then yeah. that's this is the shot for the trailer. But the whole film feels like that. Like stage this so that we get a good shot for the trailer, okay? But what about a good shot for the film? No, yeah, we don't want any of that. It's a good shot for the trailer. That's like it. That's the, the the Django Fett thing too. Uh, he just it seemed very Power Rangers quality to me. The way he moved. And the way his action was just very clunky and very, uh, what are those the troopers? What are those called from paratroopers or whatever from Power Rangers? Like the gray things? Putties? Putties, yeah. I don't know. What did I got paratroopers from? Uh, but uh, yeah, just, I don't know. I uh, I feel like he was trying to extend on that character everyone thought was cool because he looked cool in Boba Fett. But then this Django thing is like, oh, that's Boba, that kid that's just angry. And uh, he looks very serious all the time. And then it's just very whatever, very, and you know. And that sucks, too. Like, Boba Fett, well, it is one of those things where people just think he's cool. He never actually does anything cool. Yeah. The the storyline they give him is fucking lame. The My dad is the real one. And there's yeah. clones of a bunch of us. And I'm the only one that, like, wasn't made or didn't do the fight and I got away or something, and now I'm a bounty hunter. Like, you make the character fucking lame with yeah. that story. It, it sucks. The only scene that I thought was cool was when um, with the seismic bombs in space. That was cool, but it's a two-hour movie, and that, that's the, the one scene where I was like, oh, okay, I can I can get more of this. Everything else just, it just dragged. And yeah. Hayden Christensen, with his lack of charisma and his mullet rat tail combo that was very confused what they were trying to do with that uh uh yeah just putting putting the movie on on his shoulders i think was a big mistake terrible mistake all right uh i think we're good on attack of the clones if you guys want to get into the subsequent feature technically in the timeline or is there do you guys feel like there's anything else you want to add about attack of the clones i mean I got into it. Everything in the special features says this movie is bad, and then but George Lucas was paying us. They knew. I, I like was... the diner scene. That was cool. <laughs> the scene when, when Obi-Wan goes to a diner and there's a big monster chef with a mustache. That was very Back to the Future. I enjoyed that. But again, those those moments are very far in between. and It's, not, it's just not fun. Uh, it's just kind of a boring drag, so... Not not a fan. Well, on that on on the note of George Lucas, since he didn't direct uh, the Clone Wars feature that we're going to be talking about, uh, Indiana Jones five footage. Are you guys going to bother yourselves with Indiana Jones five? Do I have to see Indiana Jones four to know what happens in Indiana Jones five? Or I can spoil it for you right now. There's aliens and uh, Shia LaBeouf swings with monkeys in a jungle. Nice. I remember people being like, oh, my God, there's aliens in Indiana Jones. Yeah, but the first one is about, like, a magic box that God put <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I don't understand that line being drawn either. Uh, no. I've never seen an Indiana Jones movie. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't what's know. Cool, what's cool about Indiana Jones for, like, George Lucas is his name gets to be attached to them, even though, like, you're, you really don't think that he had any real part in most of them. But his name gets to be attached to them. Steven Spielberg can just light it up and do cool shit. And then you're like, George Lucas was obviously there too. 
Yeah, he cool. helped. He must have done something. <laughs> right on. What did he did do? He, did he, like, did come he get up a, a co-writer credit or something on that first he's, movie? He's a credit on all of the movies. I know he's a uh, producer on all of them, and he did the. I think he shepherded the young Indiana Jones series that was in the early '90s, but I don't uh, remember if he wrote. I don't think he wrote that fourth one. I think that was like a, like one of the go-to Hollywood guys. Um, is Raiders of the Lost Ark? Is that the first one? Yeah, it says story by George Lucas. All right, so not right. You came with the idea. That idea. was Kasdan, the guy that did. Uh, uh, the episode Lawrence five, right? Kasdan? Lawrence yeah. Big chill. Uh, then nice. uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Yeah, story by George Lucas. Um, by. And the third one, what's the third one called? Last Crusade. Uh, yeah, just story. I found that what? third one so boring as a child. The Last Crusade? Ew. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not as on paper anyway. I haven't watched it since I was about like seven years old. On paper, it's not as exciting watching Sean Connery go around as Temple of Doom, where you have everything going on and the giant boulder in the first movie or melting faces and shit like that. I don't know. Jones, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Yeah, that's with Sean Patrick Flannery as yeah. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Did he write the Crystal Skull one? Well, I guess he didn't write any of them. He probably, they probably just came up with, oh, this guy with a with a whip and he gets treasures. Right. And then so <laughs> the, this is genuinely what I, what I think is between Spielberg and Lucas, one of them was like, I'd like to do like an action adventure film, right? But it's not guns and shooting, which makes me think Steven Spielberg, right? That's like Steven Spielberg. He would he would do action films without a bunch of guns and shooting. You know that's part of his thing. Uh, and then George Lucas was like, "What if it's a quest for you know the Holy Grail, the Lost Ark, you know something like that? One of these mystical things that he's already said he's interested in when he made Star Wars about space magic, right? So this is that that's the whole of his influence. What if they were?" somebody finding magical things on earth. And then Steven Spielberg, I guarantee, took the rest to the screenwriters and said, <clears throat> I want an adventure, no guns. They get something, I don't know, magical, because that's what George Lucas said, make it happen. And then they do that, and then they take that, and then they made those films. Because it, even, I've seen special features for those two. You'll see Steven Spielberg and George Lucas like talking to each other, and then the rest of it is, even though he's the director, just just Steven Spielberg giving his input on different things. Be it in the editing booth, uh, this is how I want this costume to look. You almost never see George Lucas doing anything. Because I don't think he had any part of it other than they should get something for, that's magical. Well, I might have to disagree with you here. Apparently there was a book that he wrote called Indiana Smith that he wrote in 73. The Adventures of Indiana Smith. Was this published or was this just sitting on a shelf somewhere? I don't buy that. Check. Indiana Smith. Uh, What's the verdict? No, don't know. I can't find anything. All right. I mean, I don't. I don't doubt that he was a large part of that initial creative process for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Probably. Uh, Temple of Doom, I feel like that could go either way since Spielberg was obviously very family friendly. Uh, 
in the 1980s, uh, definitely. But I do, rec I mean, there's like a leaked transcript or something about them debating back and forth how old the love interest should be. Because I think it was originally supposed to be like a 13-year-old girl, like a 13-year-old student he falls in love with in his classroom. And then somebody <clears throat> among the, uh, the people that were hashing out what the story was going to be like, you know, maybe we should make her like 19. Maybe we should make her about 20. But I think Spielberg and Lucas were like, all right, yeah, so she's going to be 13 years old. She's going to be a middle schooler. And uh, I think it was like Kasdan or somebody who was like, Not a, well, hold on a second. Why don't, we, why don't we make her more age appropriate for this 45-year-old actor here? Nah. Nah, those old hats, no way. Age appropriate? No. What's, what's that movie, The Unforgiven, wherever Clint Eastwood? Be like, is it The Unforgiven? Uh, Clint Eastwood and fucking... Morgan, is it Morgan Freeman? I don't remember the movie. Uh, he's like, I'm going to save this village. I think he's that was like, Space Cows Cowboys. He's like, I'm going to save this village. And that fucking girl, she's like, oh, Mr. Preacher Man, I think you're so cool. We should get married and fuck. And he's like, you're only 12 years old. Any man would be good kind to have a woman like you. <laughs> oh, I got to go die right now. So we can't fuck in the moment. And then he leaves, goes and gets in the major gunfight and comes back at the end and you're like he's gonna fuck that 12 year old man not a problem it's 1991 dude it's a different time bro don't trip did you say it was morgan freeman playing the little girl <laughs> yeah <it was> morgan <laughs> playing the little girl. that's what makes it okay Hans. yeah all right well attack of the clones is a piece of shit uh, join us for what will be the next episode in our star wars retrospective we're gonna be talking about the 2008 feature film Star Wars, Clone Wars. All right, that has been movies for this week. Thank you for, where's the stop button? I can't find the stop button. Oh, thank you for listening.